This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. What do you guys got? I don't know what to go with. What? Changing yourself does change. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> sure. I once smiled at some. I once smiled at someone at Jaffa Gate who wasn't smiling, and they smiled back. But that immediately caught someone else walking in. I looked back and saw another guy not smiling walking into Jaffa Gate. But started smiling because of the second guy, and then. It, I just kept watching it. I stayed, like, I walked real slow. I was going anyway to the Kotel at time before I was teaching, so I had time to go to the Kotel to pray. I just followed it all the way down. And at the Kotel, some guy, one of the smilers that I saw, walked in the Kotel and watched him light up everybody at the Kotel. And it all started at Jaffa Gate. So, yeah, I actually followed him. It took me, like, 15 minutes. Like, instead of, like, eight minutes to the Kotel, it took me 15 because I was kept watching it and stopping and watching it. Stopping and watching, like the smiles were lighting everybody up. So I was coming in in a good space, and it changed total strangers walking through that. Mm. I have this one thing on my mind, and that is the this distinction between being universal and yet being part of a chosen nation, the nature of Judaism is to recognize the, the godliness in all people. When it says in the Torah that we are created in the image of God, it's talking about everybody, not just the Jews. Everybody is part of this universal oneness called humanity. And yet the Jewish people take this special spot which can lend itself to ethnocentric, ethnocentricity, which means your ethnicity becomes cent- the center, ethnocentricity. It lends itself to ethnocentricity, but it gets even more intense to ethnocentricity when you add religion, because Judaism is not really religion, but nine-tenths of Jews I meet were, were nine-tenths of Jews I meet think Judaism is a religion. Whether they're the secular ones, they for sure think Judaism is a religion. Reformed conservative think Judaism is a religion. Um, most Orthodox Jews think Judaism is a religion. The Haredi community almost for sure thinks Judaism is a religion. Not all of them, but many of them. And so here we got something that's not even a religion, yet everyone thinks it's a religion. And hence lending itself even more to the ethnocentricity that we're the center of reality. The Jewish people being this chosen nation, but it goes even further when you bring anti-Semitism into into the situation. In in two ways, one is we keep being focused on, we keep being kind of s- separated by. Uh, for example, when Jews do assimilate, anti-Semitism tends to corral us back together, so that already causes a difference in us. And but there's also a lot of pain and anger that Jews have suffered at the hands of Gentiles that has caused even further ethnocentricity. Like, for example, let's let's see one of you go go to. Uh, I mean, I can bring you to homes of people who lost children in terrorist attacks. I'd like you to go you to go over there and tell them how how go to give them your universal beliefs about how we're all one with the Gentiles and with the Jews and Arabs are one, and you know, we're all just one humanity. 
on earth. Go tell that to the parents of, uh, who have lost a child to terrorism. You understand? It's, it's all of these factors lend themselves toward a ethnocentricity at the expense of the universality. Now the question, which one's real? Which one's true? Which one's the real one? So I already gave it away by starting with the fact that we're all created in the image of God. We are one humanity. We have all of this in common. We have everything in common. As, uh, who was it, Dreyfus has said? I forget, was it, when a Jew bleeds, is it not red? You know, it's, it's, we're, we're all of the same people, the descendants of Adam. And so, yes, we are all one. The question is, can you have distinction within the one? And the answer is, of course you can. You can have plenty of distinction. You just think about your own siblings. No two of you are the same. Even identical twins will have very different personalities on them. And the, so, the, so the, there's no need for something that's, that's universal, like, for example, the, uh, one family has a universal sense to it in that family, yet to have total individuality within that. And there's also no problem for there to be humanity, and amongst humanity is nations, even amongst the Jews, you'd say the Jews are one ethnicity, but we're not. We're 12 tribes. Each tribe is a totally different ethnicity than the other. It's interesting that the tribe of Judah is the one that survived uh, the most out of, uh, you know, the 10 tribes were lost. It left three tribes, the Levites, the Judeans, and the uh, Benjamin, tribe of Benjamin. But the tribe of Benjamin was quite small, who was remaining, and they uh, they kind of got sucked into the the Judeans, the the people from the tribe of Yehuda, of Judah. And it's funny that we wound up being those people because the because Judah was known for being like extreme, uh, meaning like the, the fact that I'm like into extreme sports and like <laughs> I'm into like you know loud music and and like pushing the limits to the edge and everything I do and. You know, I have to have like the best beer, and like, my stereo system has to have eleven speakers, and, and like that's very Judah. It's very Judah, but it's really funny because we're supposed to be Judah. The world looks at us as we're supposed to be this godly nation, but the Judeans are not known for that. The tribe of Judah is the king. He's the king. King David's Judah. The tribe of uh, Judah himself. You read the story of Judah. It's like, what's going on with this guy? You know, like Ju- Judah himself, the son of Jacob. You know, if, I'm not going into the details. They're, they're, they're. Uh, I guess they're they're not exactly for uh, uh, public teaching. But anyone who wants to study about Judah and Tamar can see that Judah's pretty out there kind of guy, and uh, and that's the kingship of Israel, and that's who wound up being uh, the nation of Israel is from the tribe of Judah. Um, it is kind of cool, though, that we know that that was Shep supposed to come from the tribe of Ju- Judah, which is cool because because that means he's he's out there because we know the Judeans are around. So, meaning if we found out that that Mashiach is supposed to be from the tribe of uh, Ephraim, well, that would be kind of rough because we don't even know where Ephraim is. Whereas Judah, we're very clear. Hey, you want to say something? Yeah, I was wondering. Like, so what's the difference between the Jews and the Jews? Yeah. So the difference is 
as follows. Um, what happened was, at first there was no difference. There was uh, 1,948 years, 1948, yeah. from Adam till the birth of, who was born in 1948? Abraham. And that was, you know, that's close to 2,000 years. Those were disappointing years for God. Why? Because the one thing he gave us was free will. And for almost two millennia, everyone chose wrong. Everyone chose towards the body voice and away from the godly voice. Towards self and away from spirit. And so that was a disappointing period. Abraham comes along and God changes the rules of creation and says, you know what? It's no longer going to be a relationship between me and humanity. But rather, I'm going to shift it into me and the children of Abraham. Now, which children of Abraham? So what happened was God created a breeding process where he siphoned off of Abraham the last 20 generations of the attribute. Can I have uh, the color uh, green and red? Uh, I'll start with uh, I'll start with green. So he siphoned off what? So you have Abraham. <laughs> who represents uh, total chesed. Chesed. You guys know what chesed means when you're talking Kabbalah? No. No? Kindness, Kindness in regular language, but in Kabbalah, what does chesed mean? Someone was in my Kabbalah classes? Oh, who's that, Flo? You you were in those classes? What's that? Oh, you heard them. You heard them, or you just know? Yeah. So the answer is to flow. The word chesed means flow. It's one of the most destructive attributes there is. Someone give me an example of something flowing that's destructive. Yeah. Okay, incest is flowing, but it's extremely destructive. Uh, tsunamis. Tsunami, right? The shore represents Gilbora. So... Um, on the left, we're going to put the attribute called... Oh, someone in red could work. Can you give me red? She's my pen caddy. Gavura. So tested means flow. And Gavura means, means limit. Chesed represents flow. Green, please. Okay, so so normally the seashore limits the sea, but a tsunami is chesed, where the sea just overtakes that boundary. The sun is Chesed or Gevura. Which one? What's the sun? Chesed. And what's the ozone there? So the sun flows. It doesn't care what's in its way. The ozone blocks the dangerous rays to create the possibility of life on Earth. Everything's Chesed and Gevura. What about the wind? What's that? Chesed, right? The wind. Sorry? The wind is Chesed, But it's also in a way Everything, Hesed and Gavura are always going to be related, but one is going to be the 
the regular definition, and one will be the Kabbalistic one. So wind would be Chesed, but the trees, you ever heard the wind blowing through pine trees? Those are Gabura. They're lending the wind and making the sound of the wind blowing through the pine needles. So that's Gabura. But Chesed, obviously, also means kindness, because if you're going to do a kindness for someone, you're going to be flowing toward them. And it can, Gabura can also mean dis, uh, destruction, because Chesed is destructive, which is Gabura. So they're, they're re- very related to each other, but in Kabbalah, you always want the Chesed to be flow and the Gabura to be limited. Now, what God did after close to two millennia of disappointment, God co- did a breeding process off of Avraham. Avraham was not a Jewish man. You've got to realize that. And he's also not the first monotheist. Avraham is basically a prototype for, for God to do Kabbalistic genetic um, alter, alterations. <laughs> you know? he's, think about it. He's not the first monotheist. Noah. Ten generations earlier, certainly believed in God. Abraham, four, 20 generations ago, believed in God. And these are not the first. He's not the first monotheist at all, and he's also um, not Jewish. I mean, look at his project. You have the whole the whole tribes of the Arab world come off of him, and you have the whole tribes of Christianity coming off of Asaph. So it's like Abraham. We're not called Bnei Abraham. We're called Bnei. And we're also not called B'nai Yitzchak. We are called B'nai Yisrael, the children of Jacob. And so, so Abraham, it's, he's kind of the first genetic, uh, he's this genetic prototype that God breeds off of. And what he does is Sarah, who represents Gevura, is barren. And rather he, he cohabitates with his Canaanite handmaid. His Canaanite handmaid represents Hesed. Because Canaanites did not, they were the ultimate expression of like sexual licentiousness. They they didn't know to hold back, what hold back meant. So that's flow. All sexual licentiousness is called chesed. So so he cohabitates with her. So this is chesed with chesed. What do you think chesed with chesed is going to create? It's going to create some very strong gufura. That kind of red chesed. So they created Yitzchak. I want to use red because it's the color of blood in the minute, like stop says. Did I write the word Yitzchak? I'm so sorry. Oops. Oh, you know what? I'll keep them there for you. So the Ches and the Chesed created. Sorry. Extreme Chesed, which is the child named Yishmael. And Yishmael is the ultimate expression of Chesed. And that is limit, limitless. Just go and do your thing. And you'll notice that Yishmaelites, today, today's modern Arab world, they fight their wars in kind of a Chesed orientation. See, we're used to wars from Europe. Europe's much more into fighting. And they they fight their wars through mechanization. It's very orderly, very very systematized. Almost, meaning that they're more likely to kill a lot more people. The, the, um, 
the Europeans are more likely to kill many more people than the Ishmaelites, but they'll do so like wearing a nice white shirt, and like no one will have noticed any of the you know millions killed. Whereas Ishmael will like smash planes into World Trade Center, you know they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna they, you know how many times we've been, I've been living here for 26 years, you know how many times we've been in situations where they're lobbing random, random uh, rockets, they just lob rockets without, you know, any care whatsoever where it's going. You know how, did you guys ever follow news years ago where it'd say like, you know, 20 rockets fired, landing in fields, you know. It's like, are they trying to kill our fields? Like, what are these people doing? That whole Lebanon war where they were like, it was barrages of rockets. Anyone remember the Lebanon situation we had? These rockets were, the most, they were the most random landing rockets ever. Like, the vast majority didn't come anywhere near. Um, this, uh, you, just to sense God's uh, involvement, there was a whole group of uh, soldiers whose job was to shoot off these, uh, what was our thing called, Iron Dome? So Iron Dome, we shoot, we blow up their rockets in the air. So one rocket, we missed the first one, we missed it at the second one, it was heading straight for the Israeli tower, so it would have been a disaster. And they're watching, they're literally watching with their own eyes the rocket that they just missed. When the most massive wind ever came out of the east and blew the rocket into the sea. The Israeli towers are not that close to the sea, if you know Tel Aviv. And they literally watched the rocket blow into the ocean. And it was it was the only rocket that was really going to cause a disaster after thousands and thousands of rockets, and the only rocket they missed. God just went and shot it to the sea, just threw it off off its trajectory. Anyway, but that's very Yishmael to do. You know, driving down. Again, I'm only discussing radical Islamists. There's tons of Ishmaelites who are very peaceful people, some of which are uh, my colleagues. You know, I'm, I'm on WhatsApp with, with many people from uh, you know, the Ishmael descent who are my friends and uh, buddies of mine. And uh, so, again, I, this has nothing to do with... with um, I'm only discussing people involved in uh, war from the Ishmaelites. And if you wonder where the voices are of the peaceful ones, they're, um, they're usually under threat, uh, meaning uh, they, don't, they don't get to have the same freedom of speech that Jews get to enjoy, and other Westerners. So, they, so there could be a lot of people for peace, but they, don't, they want to wake up in the morning. You know? There's, uh, well, I'll take some of that water. Bubby, can I have some water? I have none. Okay. Don't worry. Okay. Anyone want a cup of water? Water? Yeah. Thank you. I'll just take the bottle. I have another cup. Okay. So now everyone wants some water? You sure? When you look up the word cute in the dictionary. Now, Abraham cohabitates with Chesed, which is this Canaanite woman, 
This is all. Sarah's gonna have a kid. She just had to be barren so that chesed can mix with chesed to pull out a Yishmael. What is Yishmael? Yishmael is 20 generations. Because if we go Adam all the way down to uh, Abraham, it's 20 generations. You want to go through the 20 generations with me? Because I, I don't know how good I am at them. Adam, Shays, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalal, Yered, Chalach, Mishashelech, Lamech, Noach. And Noach is Shem, Apasha, Shelach, Aver, Peleg, Ruud, Srut, Nanachor, Terach, Abraham. Right? 20 generations. He was lipping it. He wasn't saying it. You want to say it loud? So, 20 generations from Abraham all the way down, from Adam all the way down to Abraham. And that was 20 generations of misused chesed. What is misused chesed? Misused chesed is people who lack limitation. People who are, you know, just doing things without thinking about what's right or wrong where they should stop, where they should begin. You have to build up limitations. So we're, we're discussing it, but Kabbalistic. And then there was... Um, but you have 20 generations of Gevura, misused Gevura, where people were extremely limited. For example, Sodom and Gomorrah, you guys think Sodom and Gomorrah was probably, you know, a, a sexually licentious place. Um, hence the word sodomy, or sodium. Salt and Sea or connected all that the uh, the but they actually they weren't that bad their issue was you weren't allowed kindness you weren't allowed kindness because kindness brings riffraff it was a, it was the five towns okay it was a very high society place and if you wind up if you were not allowed to let someone sleep over you're not allowed to feed the poor you're not allowed to lend money give money because what does it do it brings more have-nots and if you bring the have-nots, and now you have a society with, with uh, what they would call parasites, people are going to feed off of the community. That's all. And they were also heterosexual. The, the Sodom and Gomorrah region was totally heterosexual. So what's the whole thing with sodomy? Sodomy was the punishment for guests. It was just a punishment. So because Lot was having these angels, these guests in his house, so the punishment for that was Sodom. And, that, and that's why that's why it was... Uh, but it had nothing to do with their society. That wasn't their society. That was a an actual punishment for kindness. Okay, you didn't know that? Yeah, so they represent... That rep- was a representation of Gavura. Then... Uh, you had uh, uh, other examples of Gavura was the times of Noah, the flood, the period of flood, said that at that point for, it was forbidden to give or lend during that period of time. Humanity didn't want to give or lend. And we, it's funny, you know what the term for financial treachery is in Hebrew? It's a funny term. It's called Hamas. Having nothing to do with the terrorist group, really nothing to do with it. But that's the term. Look in the door. It's called Hamas. Hamas means financial treachery. It's just ancient Hebrew. I'm sure Hamas stands for something else for for the Islamic movement. But uh, yeah. So I was just wondering. You said um, so. Yishmael became came out of like Hamas. Yeah. So what happened to Yishmael? Yeah. 
He's messy. That's why I was explaining, like, lobbing bombs randomly. Gavura would have very tactical bombs. It would be very measured in how they are doing their thing. Okay? Now, um, that's Yishma. And, but it, there's one more thing about... Um, oh, so now, what happens is there has to be Gavura. So what happens is Abraham has... Gives birth to Yitzchak. Now Yitzchak represents total Gabor. Just listen to their names. His name is Avraham. Just listen how how flow that is. Avraham. Sounds like a massage on a waterbed. Yeah. Avraham. Yeah. Whereas look at this name. <laughs> Just say it with your own mouth. Yitzchak. It's everything. Ye is very yin. It's like a hi hat on a drum. And, 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 represents, you know, total gavur. And that's why we're also not, we're not B'nai Yitzchak. We're not that kind of people. Jewish people are not that guy. Okay? We need to, we need to have times. We're like Abraham. A friend of mine sent a text to us Friday. He says, I don't know where these people came from, but a family of five just walked in my house an hour before Shabbos, mm-hmm. or whatever, a couple hours before Shabbos. Yeah. And he, he just sent it on WhatsApp to a group I'm part of. And he says, looks like I'm Abraham tonight. <laughs> you know, like, it's time to be Abraham. And, um, and there was other situations where, where my wife was like, we really shouldn't have guests because we've been out of town. I just flew on Friday. And she says, it's just not guest time. It's time to re-enter the home with the kids and get back to family life, which is Abraham or Yitzchak. Yitzchak. So help people find a place to go, but it's not the time to have a bunch of people over. Clear? So there's times for Abraham and the Yitzchak, but we're not B'nai Yitzchak. But what happened was Yitzchak cohabitates with his wife Rivka, and Rivka represents Chesed. So now we got some, a little more balance going on. Except, so we have Gavura with Chesed. Except, um, oh, I'm sorry. Yitzhak's born from Abraham and Sarah. Sarah, Sarah represents Gavura Chesed. or Chesed. Which one? Chesed. No, Gavura. That's why the word Sar means a minister. It's like a. Uh, when I say minister, like a government minister, a SAR is a head of state. It's a to- total limitation, right? You don't get a hippie to be the head of state. Heads of state are hesitant. Okay? This is, SAR means that they are a, a leadership type, someone who runs things like a tiny ship is a SAR. That's the kind of person you take into a government office. And her name was Salah. And she, that's what she was all about. But that created, that Hesed word created Yitzchak, and Yitzchak now is with Rivka. Rivka's Chesed, Yitzchak's Gevorah. And through them they create both, but she has twins. She has one child who's hardcore Gevorah. His name is Asa. And he's hardcore Gevorah. This guy grows up to be a warrior, bloodthirsty, like a crazy wild man. And and they have also 
Now I need green and red. I just need another color, but I don't see one. So together, Yitzchak and Rivka have... They have, right in the middle, I went too far. The eraser, please. You ever seen double uh, writing? <laughs> and they have, right down the center, they have Yaakov. And they have Yaakov. This is coming out pretty secondary. It's neat. It's like 3D, really. So, what do you think, Sean? Do you mind covering these pins for me? So they have Yaakov. And Yaakov, it says his bed was whole. Meaning their bed was crazy. And then he had its hot. But Abraham's bed is not whole because he has someone very different than, than the Jewish people and someone who caused a lot of death and destruction in history. And Yitzhak, his bed was not whole because he had Asab, which caused even more death and destruction from Asab, who's the father of Westernism, Western society. Total limitation, mechanization, and, and even mechanized warfare. And but they created Yaakov, who has 12 children, and 12 sons and a daughter. And uh, Dina is their daughter, which is, what do you think she is? Tessin or Gomorrah? She's Gomorrah. How do we know she's Gomorrah from her name? Dina. Dean, right? Judgment. Judgment. Dina, Judgment. It's funny, I know a lot of Dinas, like, you know, just friends of my wife, families, and stuff. <laughs> Dinas are pretty rough sometimes. <laughs> Any Dinas in the room? <laughs> Dinas can be rough. Whenever I meet a woman named Dina, I'm always like, you know, I like, would be like a participant in my seminar. Everyone goes around and says her name. Someone who says Dina, I'm like, oh no. Here we go. So, okay. Yaakov is, we are called B'nai Yaakov, or we're called uh, Beit Yaakov, or we're called B'nai Yisrael, his other name is Yisrael. And he represents this third attribute, which is called Tiferet. And uh, put that in here. Tiferet. Which means, which means beauty. I don't know if this is still legible, but that's uh, that's yeah. Why was God doing all this? It, the reason God was doing all this is we just had two millennia of a failure in God, God's plan. What was God's plan? Because God's plan was to have a relationship with humanity. But people weren't so interested in that relationship. People were interested in themselves and fulfilling their more animal instincts, survival, reproduction, which we share with the animal and plant, plant and animal kingdoms. 
And people weren't interested in their relationship with God. They were interested in survival and reproduction, otherwise known as um, power and, and sexuality, which is survival, power, and reproduction and sexuality. And the whole world was more interested in that. So God siphoned off 20 generations of sexuality into Ishmael and 20 generations of power into Asa. You notice they're the power people. In fact, when 9-11 happened, Osama bin Laden from some cave like gave a couple of notes, a couple of you know speeches, and he said like I'm hitting I'm hitting Asa in this power center. You know, he was hitting the World Trade Center because that represented the power. And he wanted to hit them right in the power, in the, the central power, representing you know the financial district of the, of the Asa world. I call the U.S. the United States of Asa just just for fun. The, but the children of, after this whole breeding process, he creates the Jewish people. The Jewish people go through, they go straight into slavery during Jacob's lifetime. They go down to Egypt. Jacob passes away. The tribes pass away, meaning, meaning uh, the, the 12 tribes, you know, Reuben, Shimon, Levi, Buddha, Don, Natali, God, Asher, Yosef, and Yom. Um, uh, sorry, uh, I forgot Zavun, Yisachman, Zavun, Yosef, and Benjamin. Those twelve tribes die. That one was Ethelbert. Benjamin, yeah. Not Benjamin. Yosef. The one who stayed alive and left. Oh yeah, who stayed alive? <laughs> Did someone stay alive from Sir Medrash like that? Who was it? Um, <laughs> you know which one stayed alive? I'm kind of blessed. <laughs> I don't know. All my kids say, Anya. <laughs> and I didn't know where they get this, Anya. <laughs> Until one time my kid was asking me something. I said, Anya. <laughs> and I realized they're getting it for me. And I didn't even know I say that. Anya. <laughs> All my kids say, Anya. It's like two syllables, Anya. So... Anyway, the Jews go through trans, notwithstanding his last remarks, the Jews go through twelve uh, through a hundred and uh, two hundred and ten years of transgenerational slavery. And so God's up to something here. Like, why do we have to go through slavery? Another thing, we're not a nation. It was a family. Family of Yaakov go down to Egypt. That's not a nation. Jacob and his children and their wives is not a family. Sorry, it's not a nation. It's a family. And they arrive in Egypt, and there they start to procreate, and they become a nation. It's called Goy Mikerov Goy, a nation within a nation. So God's up to something here. We've got a nation being born in another nation. They're immediately enslaved. So they're going through like servitude. Now think, there's just been two, two millennia of failure with humanity. And God's now starting off after this massive breeding process. He's starting off a nation that's going to learn how to serve. See, next year when you get to Passover Seder, I suggest you wear, um, just as fun, like come to the Passover Seder with a, with a university graduation cap and gown. 
because Egypt was the university of slavery. It was us learning how to serve. Because God, he didn't want to create the new nation without first training us in service. So you got to imagine when we're crossing the sea, Moses was wearing one of the super funky outfits that the deans get to wear up on the stage in graduations. He was wearing one of those super funky graduation outfits the dean wears. And he was handing diplomas. And we're all walking through in cap and gown. And he's, you know, shake right, hand left. And he's congratulating every Jew, saying, congratulations, you're now a graduate of UOE, University of Egypt, or UOS, University of Slavery. Go serve God. And we go through the splitting of the sea, and we get to Mount Sinai to, to be servants. And you see it worked. We've all, I mean, we've been deeply touched by something. Jews are unique. Jews are unique people. You'll notice that most Jews you'll ever meet are one of what I call the three D's. The three D's are distracted, depressed, or devoted. But Jews always wind up distracted, depressed, or devoted. And they go they go big with this stuff. Meaning, yeah, I'm sure Gentiles distract themselves. What do I mean by distraction? Um, you might have seen there was a book called uh, Man's Search for Meaning written by uh, Victor Frankl. And it's an amazing book, a real truism that everyone realized once he wrote that book, that part of our well-being is meaning. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. That human beings need meaning. He said the survivors of the Holocaust were ones who were able to hold on to meaning. Mm -hmm. As soon as someone lost meaning, they they couldn't make it. I mean, the human body just couldn't make it anyway through what we were put through. But there were people who just held on by that thread, and himself included. His I forget what his meaning was. I think his meaning was to be able to publish mm -hmm. himself and his ideas and stuff. He wanted to live through it so he could give this contribution. I think. But he, I think he noticed that people who had meaning, what to live for, were the ones who were surviving. So he later developed it as a whole school of, of, of therapy. That so many people, their issue with well-being is just they don't know what they're living for. And when you don't know what you're living for, it's so that it creates depression. Now, if you have in your cells the Sinai experience, meaning... If you've had a direct rendezvous with God at Sinai in your, in your uh, reincarnated gene setup, like we're all reincarnations of the Sinai experience. So your search for meaning is going to be a massive search for meaning, which means you're going to have to be highly distracted if you're going to keep yourself from being highly what? Depressed. It's making too much sound. The, uh, when I was, uh, my distraction, anyone know what my distraction was? Surfing. Surfing. I distracted myself from <laughs> surfing. But it was crazy. I, I, I lived and breathed it. I, I couldn't, there was no other choice. It was, it was intense addiction to riding waves and bigger waves and bigger waves and bigger waves. And I was studying, I was studying storm charts and and uh, actually majored in university in, uh, in meteorology and wave prediction. 
I, uh, my thesis paper in graduating university was the ice cap, ready for a long title, uh, ice cap melting, sea level rising, global warming's effect on surf spots in Santa Barbara. <laughs> and I described exactly what the shape of the waves would be hugging the mountains, the coastal mountains, because the whole the town of Santa Barbara was underwater. But what the surf spots would be like actually on the mountains that we usually go mountain biking on, but no, those are going to be the surf spots. And so I got an A on the paper. It was an amazing paper, but it was, it was just how my brain thought. Everything was waves. You know, and how can I think more about it, do more about it? And uh, I traveled all around the world and surfed and surfed and surfed and surfed and surfed. And surfed, and surfed, and surfed. Uh, but there were days I wasn't surfing, and I was thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. And it actually, after a while, it just wasn't working. You'll find if you're one of the distractors, a Jewish distractor, where you distract yourself, you, you, it's never enough. So, like, it was never enough with the surfing. And you'll notice with the financial institutions that are run by Jews, so many of them, it's never enough. It's never enough till the point where they're starting to use all kinds of weird leveraging things that cause financial bubbles in real estate and in banking and finance until those explode and people lose their homes all over the, all over the world. All because of some Jews, it wasn't enough for them. And the, uh, it's a miracle there wasn't like a, like a new Holocaust in America after the 2008 thing. Because, uh, I mean, there were Gentiles involved, but way more often than not, the major, you know, exposés of banking institutions that blew up, real estate leveraging uh, uh, Ponzi schemes, were, were, there were always Jews behind it. Because they're the distracted. Another example, much more kosher, is Nobel Prizes. If you extract all the Jews from Russia's Nobel Prizes and you know, Israel, you don't have to extract them, they're all Jews anyway, but they, you take all the Israel ones, all the Jews from the Russians, and all the Jews from the Americans, all the Jews from South America, and all the Jews from Europe, and you just give us our own nation of a list of Nobel Prize winners, you know what happens? I'll tell you what happens, I've seen it, someone actually created it on the website, it's very cool. The, what happens is you scroll down, you see the world, the nation's Nobel Prizes, and then there's this one part called the Jews, you can literally tape down the scroll button. Because it just keeps going and going and going and going. It's like this long, giant empire state building of names. It goes way beyond all the nations of the world. Yet we make up 0.01% of the world population. You know, we're, what are we, 14 million Jews or something? Uh, China's margin of error is like 80 million people. And, and we're like, meaning we would be completely lost in the global population, in our actual numbers, yet... We are the distractors because it, our search for meaning is different kind of search after the Sinai experience. Now, if the distraction's not working, which means either you ran out of distraction, like with me with the surfing, it's like how many more waves can I surf till I couldn't? It didn't work anymore. I just got numb. I remember literally dragging myself across the beach to surf. I still surf, but I was dragging myself across the beach forcing myself to surf because I was it just wasn't working anymore so I was surfing depressed and I hit that depression what's depression? depression is like there's many forms of it but this kind of depression that Victor Frankl spoke about is a large capacity 
meaning an innate sense that there's supposed to be something very meaningful in the world, but not finding, not finding that meaning. Um, I know many um, Gentiles, many of whom I'm close with, who are very cool with with uh, making their own meaning, which is called existentialism, where you make your meaning. I know many Gentiles, they're fine with that. They enjoy their craft beer, and they smoke their wacky tobacco, and they, they uh, you know, and they work, and they take their kid to the park, and they're great. I mean, they're really doing fine. And, uh, you know, these are buddies I grew up with. And they're great. But my friends who I grew up with were today secular Jews and observant ones. But they mostly secular ones. They're, they're not as doing as great. They're not doing as great. Because we have an innate sense that there's a meaning beyond our meaning. Meaning, that's cute, I can make my own meaning, but and it, it is true you can. It's just that we have a sense that there's supposed to be something universally meaningful, and there's something bigger than us. And until we find that, you can distract yourself. If you can't distract yourself, you get depressed, which I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen the stats. Um, I could probably Google them real quick. If anyone's a great Googler, please pull out your phone and Google. Um, the weird misproportion of depression amongst Jews. Uh, but we, we have some, the last I saw was per capita or something like in the, uh, we had something, I don't want to say the numbers, I don't remember exactly, but it was something in the 40s, like 40% more depression than, than our counterpart Gentiles, per capita, obviously. But, uh, but, they, but we, we're easily depressed because we want meaning in our lives. Meaning, meaning beyond us. Existentialism doesn't do it for us. And, and the last is devoted. And devoted is people actually are tuned in Jewishly. And they spend all that extra energy devoted to God. So it's five things. Devoted is uh, following five things. Obviously it's devoted to God, but it's five ways, there's five paths to one's devotion to God. Uh, one is Torah, which means the wisdom. Two is mitzvahs, all the different mitzvahs we do, which is really the distilled Torah. You distill the Torah, you get the mitzvahs. And then there's, uh, then there's uh, avoda, which is prayer and stuff like that. Uh, uh, avoda, tehillah, other kinds of ser- service. I should write service in English. Can I just leave it as avoda? Avoda means service. Does that work for everybody? Mm-hmm. And then there's um, then there's Zmanim, which is one of my favorites. Zmanim. That's why I named Yom Tov. Okay. Zmanim is the times. Like right now, there's nothing that significant. It's Sunday, okay? But but to, uh, tomorrow night will be Rosh Chodesh, and and that's a Zman. That's like a new month. And it's not just any new month, it's the new month of El. Yesterday was Shabbos, very significant time. So raise your hand if you felt pretty tapped in yesterday on Shabbat. Tapped in? Very nice. So that's, that's connecting, devoted, and devoted slash connected to God using number four, Zaman, which is time. Which is like when you all 
Um, Rosh Chodesh is renewal. Shabbat is another whole thing. So, um, does the money, what is that? Does money means time. Time. I should have put that. So, that means like certain times you just feel the deduction. And there's different energies coming down. And so, Shabbat had its energy that you tap into. Yeah. This is a calendar. Oh, yeah. How do you spell calendar? E or A? Is that an E? <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Calendar. And the last, this is one of my favorites. Not a very Haredi favorite, but my favorite. Creativity. Creativity. So, for example, if an artist is painting, or a poet is writing, or a musician is playing, or a hiker is hiking, or a, or a mountain biker is mountain biking, and you're, and you're keeping your heart totally tuned into God while you're doing that which you're good at, so you've got a serious path to God while you're doing it. And it's not, it's not a, it's, and what's nice about it, it's also universal, because every artist, you know, I just bought, I just bought these, uh, this amazing rock painted by some, you know, tattooed, body-pierced artist on Friday. Um, but it was, it was like her offering. In the strengths God gave her, she's amazing at making these kind of psychedelic painted rocks. And I saw the rocks, I'm like, that belongs in my collection. And, but it was like, her, that was her offering. And now it's part of my collection, where I do, uh, I do meditation in my house. I have a whole collection of uh, really cool things just to, you know, I burn sage and candles and I have my own little sanctuary in my house where I meditate. And so I've added this lady's offering to it. It's her creativity and I've now taken it and added it to my collection. I'm going to return it though because she had some other cool ones and my wife liked it. didn't love the one I picked. So I'm going to go back on Friday. There's a whole fair up. I have to go to the top of the venue for the this street called Old Bitsala, which is artisans selling their their wares. It's really nice. It's called Old Bitsala. Bitsala was the craftsman who made all the temple vessels. And so the school of art in Jerusalem is called Bitsala. And their original center was called Old Bitsala, and that's where the artists are on Friday. Mm-hmm. You can just put Old Bitsala, Google Old Bitsala, and go there on Friday. Um, we got it. We're good. So I think I don't know what time. <laughs> Quarter past four. So I hope you enjoyed today's class. Um, if there's something that I can conclude for you, is that there is a universal oneness of all of humanity. It's just that humanity didn't work out in God's original plan. He chose another plan, and that was to have a pilot nation, like a teacher's assistant for a large university class. It's a pilot nation to be an example, not necessarily a direct teacher or advisor or even influencer, but literally just an example nation who would forge a relationship with God via transgenerational slavery, sorry, via a siphoning process transgenerational slavery, miraculous events, a total, you know, THX, surround neck, sound, Omnimax, 
3D LSD blow away Sinai experience. And then, and then that nation would be the example for the planet, for the original course of creation, which is universal. That's universal. Humanity to come to God. Now, I spoke earlier, the very first minute of this class, all the reasons why Jews fall into ethnocentricity. But we're not ethnocentric. And we can't be a light unto nations if we hate the other, if we hate the Gentile. We have to love everybody. No matter what we've been through, we have to let it go and see it all as God's plan. As, As it's written in the book of Jeremiah, when Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, came to destroy Israel, creating our first biggest holocaust. God, in the book of Jeremiah, God calls Nebuchadnezzar, Abdi, my servant. So it's not for us to hate Gentiles. Also, as, the, as us being the victims of anti-Semitism, these are God's servants. The Talmud even talks about this. It says, Talmud asks, why are they punished? If they're God's servants, why are they going to be punished? Because it says there's going to be major retribution for the anti-Semitic nations. So the Talmud asks, why should there be a retribution? What did they do? They were just God's servants. And God's, you know, God's answer, what the sages answer? Yeah, but they, they misused their free will. They took it too far. They said, A, they took it too far. B, they enjoyed it. For that, I'm going to nail them. Meaning, I gave them permission to wake up the Jews, but they went too far. And every every time, they went too far. Shalom, everyone. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.